When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. All right, Mike, I've lost track now of how many days it's been since the start of quarantine, but I do know how many days it's been since the Toronto Maple Leafs last played a game. Care to venture a guess? Um... 36. It's pretty close. 38. What? 39, wow. depending on when you're going to watch this or listen Not to this. bad. Uh, but it feels, I don't know, it actually feels just about right. Like, it seems like everyone's like, wow, this has felt so long and it's so grueling. And this month was the worst. It took forever. 38 days sounds about right. It feels like it's been 38 days. It's been a long time. Uh, but unfortunately, we still got a ways to go. It seems like as the COVID-19 pandemic, there is some, you know, we're making progress as a society and, uh, and in terms of, you know, global health and, and what we've got to do to get over this, but it's just going to take some time. Yeah. You know, it has, it has felt really long, but it hasn't felt long enough where like, I forget what life was like on the other side, you know, like I still remember what it was like to, you know, be able to see a movie whenever you wanted in a movie theater or, you know, just go outside. And like, I went grocery shopping today and gro- grocery shopping t- feels like there's this great game. I used, uh, I-, I love to play called Wolfenstein. You ever heard of the Wolfenstein games before? No, the floor is yours, my friend. All right. Well, there's this, well, the sequel, which is Wolfenstein, the new order. It's great, great game. I would highly recommend it. If you're, if you're not a squeamish, not squeamish, you know, of the bunch, because it, it's a bit of a shoot 'em up game, but there's a level where, you go, you go into space, and you're on v, you're on the planet Venus, and you're walking around, and you need to, and every second that you're outside, your health is deteriorating, and you have to go to like this cooling station to get yourself cooled up. And going outside, like a grocery shop today, going outside felt like that, where every step I was taking, I felt like my health was just like decreasing, decreasing, or that I was like, you know, getting more radioactive or something, and I needed to like rush there and rush back. It just like it's it's just a very stressful time. See, I feel like I've gotten over that myself. I'm not really I'm not really bothered by it anymore. Going to just, you know, going in the stores is fine. I'm not really worried about like the off chance that I'll have someone sneeze on me or whatever. I know there's other ways that this can be sort of transmitted and all that stuff, but now it's just like the uneasy feeling of everybody else that just makes me feel uneasy. Like mm-hmm. it's not it's not about what could happen to me. It's just like it seems like everyone's on edge and that's sort of like a it's just a really eerie feeling when it seems like you know what everyone's thinking and you can see it written all over them. And, you know, there's people with like big gas masks on. Like, it's just, it's, uh, I'm just looking forward to this being over. Yeah. I, I'm, I've been wearing a mask in public now, but it just feels incredibly odd. Okay. So on this show, we're going to touch on, you know, a little bit about how coronavirus and the COVID-19 pandemic is, you know, impacting what's going on in sports exactly and what sort of progress we've made since the last time we've 
talked about uh, the pandemic and as it relates to the NHL. Uh, has been a few episodes. We did some rewatches instead of, you know, belaboring the point and, and sort of going over things that, you know, going over hypotheticals when it seemed like there was really nothing, uh, no end in sight really to this. We didn't know what was going to happen, but we seem to have a little bit more information now. Uh, and it looks like we're taking maybe not taking the steps, but thinking about the appropriate steps uh, when talking about the return of sports. So we're going to talk about that. Uh, we're going to talk about what we can do or what can be done to make sports better when they do return under the circumstances, which they probably will return. And then we're going to go into a fun little exercise at the end. It'll probably be the bulk of the show, if we're being honest. Uh, we're going to take, we're going to draft 10 man or 10 person teams or cores moving forward for the next five years, only using players, management, coaches, uh, people that are currently on the Maple Leafs payroll. And we're going to build out two teams of 10 and we're going to see which one, uh, which team is better. Uh, maybe we'll put out a poll. Maybe we'll just decide on our own, uh, but we'll figure out uh, just a way to measure our teams, I guess. But that'll be uh, fun at the end. But first, Mike, you got to start us off with your icebreaker. Uh, well, you know, I, I think, you know, whenever we're doing a, a you know, a COVID pod, as we like to call them, I like to. I, I think it's a good idea to do maybe, like you said, an icebreaker, fun little things. My, I thought, you know, what's the most? It was going around on Twitter. Um, I think the last couple of days, and it kind of sparked me. So I want to ask you, what's the most specific thing that you miss about sports right now? Like, be as specific as possible. It could be anything, but you know, we're not we're not watching sports are going on right now. What's the most specific thing that you miss about sports? See, I saw this as well on Twitter and I couldn't really come up with anything because it's a little bit different for us that we work in sports. Like I, the thing that I miss honestly the most is grabbing a coffee and just walking into the office and like covering sports, talking yes. about sports with colleagues, uh, writing about things that are actually happening, listening, uh, to, uh, you know, creating content, consuming content, all that. That's sort of that like really basic thing. Uh, there's stuff at the rink that I miss, obviously. Uh, but I think it's just the general up and down nature of this Maple Leafs team. Like it, it, nothing was easy. Nothing was certain at any time. It was always completely crazy the entire season. And the fact that one game, one episode at practice, one quote could sort of turn the, the, you know, the media, the media wheel, just the content wheel over and over and over again, just one thing can create 24 hours to 48 hours of content. And it was, it was just endless consumption uh, whether it was radio, podcasts, television, games, it just seemed like the Leafs always gave you something to talk about. And with them doing nothing but, you know, watching Netflix, it's just not the same. That's probably what I miss the most. Yeah, I, I, mine's pretty much along the same lines. Like I, I used to have a routine where, you know, it'd be a Saturday and, you know, I know I'm working at, uh, you know, with you at like seven. So I go I go see a movie in the afternoon, Scotiabank, Scotiabank uh, Theater. It was great. See a movie. And then I time it. So get out of the movie walk like a couple blocks to the office, go and work my dream job talking about the Leafs, covering the Leafs. It's, it's incredible. And I got a solid maybe three weeks of that, you know, a little, a little bit before the, the entire world shut down or not three weeks. I got a solid like, you know, two and a half months of that before the entire world shut down. But I miss that about hockey. I miss, um, uh, I miss the, uh, the pregame line, the pregame line rush tweets. I mm. miss that. Like, it's just, 
us freaking out about the dumbest stuff. Like I, I, I want to go. It just reminds me of a time where we could freak out about things that didn't actually matter, that weren't life or death. You know, back when it was Babcock. You know, Nick Shore in over Jason Spezza, or you know, even with Keith now. You know, putting Cody Cece too high in the lineup or something. Like I just, I miss being able to have debates that really don't have any stake in human lives. It's just sports. It's just fun. That's probably the biggest thing I miss. Yeah, I mean, it, it, that's the thing with us. It's like this is when it is your job, it completely consumes, you know, most of your thinking and what's your entertainment as well. It's sort of two things that are going. It's like what you do when you're off work, what you do during work is completely changed. So as two people that cover sports, obviously it has, you know, a big impact that way. Uh, and that's why I guess it was, uh, and there's a selfishness to this for sure. But when Dr. Fauci, who's, you know, one of Trump's and and you have to take that with a grain of salt as well. Like you have to understand within its context, this is Trump's right hand man during this entire pandemic. Uh, but when Dr. Fauci came out and basically confirmed, I guess, what we've all been sort of thinking and sort of understood, I guess, uh, as we're going through return to play scenarios, basically confirmed that, you know, there's not going to be fans. They might have to do it at a neutral site. Um, but if they can pull that off, they being the, the major professional sports leagues in North America, uh, that there's a chance that we could see sports resume this summer. Um, obviously, the big thing here is that this guy is an extension of Donald Trump. And he said this at a time where Donald Trump has been hell-bent on beginning the process of reopening the economy. And I think... He said it himself, but even without him saying it, he's, you know, he's enlisted the commissioners uh, in his conversations. He wants sports back uh, because it is a major part of the U.S. economy. And, and that's what his primary focus is uh, sort of at the back half of this pandemic beyond getting people getting, you know, public health in a good position. He wants the U.S. economy to start making money again. And sports has a lot to do with that. So if you link it all together Fauci coming out and confirming what we believed and with and sort of balancing that with what Donald Trump is doing right now gives a glimmer of hope to sports actually returning. And it might not be the best thing for society. It might be, in fact, the worst thing for society because it could kick this kickstart this whole thing again. Uh, but it looks like it's more likely because it's coming from the federal government. The federal government seems to want it to happen. And uh, that's sort of where we're at now with sports. See, I, like I know the Fauci is an extension of, of, of Trump, but I think that we have to kind of put that in perspective as well, because there's clearly a disconnect between what Fauci thinks and what Donald Trump thinks about this. And there's been a lot of times where, you know, they've, they've contradicted each other. And Fauci is this. This is what surprised me, because I, although it, it is it does call for this, like it does call for this kind of tone, but it's been pretty doom and gloom just across the board with this thing, like it, with with COVID, like it has been pretty much there is. You know, even like the little glimmer of hope, it's like I think the deaths were, were declining, you know, a week ago in New York. And it's like, yeah, well, we don't know if this is anything positive. It's just like a statistical thing that's happening. Um, so for Fauci to come out and say something this optimistic that sports could come back this summer, not even just like we're going to wait until September when hopefully, you know, things have, have, have calmed down. He's like, no, if, if these are this, these are the guidelines where we need to have this come back, it, it mattered to me. It was, you know, this is a guy that is essentially he's he's been pretty straightforward with this. He's been pretty he's been pretty, you know, not pulling any punches no matter how devastating those punches are. And for him to think that this is possible even though we're going to have to go jump through a lot of hoops to make this happen, it makes me feel pretty, you know, pretty excited that this is a real possibility and that some semblance of normal life even though there's going to be a huge asterisk over that because it's not going to be normal at all. There's going to be no fans and it's going to be in, done in a very odd way, but some semblance of normal life is going to be returning and that's 
that's kind of nice. It's comforting. It's definitely the closest thing resembling momentum toward a potential restart on sports. But you mentioned normalcy. I mean, it's going to be far from normal for the athletes Mm -hmm. that are probably going to be asked to get involved in prolong or continuing these seasons, starting these seasons, because it's just not going to happen under normal circumstances. And what Fauci said is, one, fans aren't going to be in the stands, but two, that it has to happen under basically extended quarantines. Essentially, they have to build bubbles for these players to live in. And that means, you know, Sidney Crosby, Connor McDavid, all these superstar athletes might have to live in, you know, a dorm on a university campus so that they can play, uh, you know, the Eastern Conference and Western Conference finals uh, at the University of North Dakota's arena. Like it's it's completely strange and what it's going to require is complete buy-in on the part of the players. I'm not sure they're going to be able to get a 100% vote from the NHLPA to pick up their lives, leave their families, uh, risk traveling, risk entering themselves into another community, and basically throwing everything else in their life away, which is, you know, family and uh, any luxuries and freedoms that they that are sort of remaining in this, you know, changed world, but they're going to be throwing that away just so that they can stage competition. It feels like it's not for them anymore at that point. And it's really for one, the NHL that wants to make money and be the fans, I guess. Yeah. It seems like every, like think about even, even just in this context, like it seems like every playoffs, there's one, two, even three guys who have children whose, whose wives, I guess have children during the playoffs. And if you're doing this, because this is like, we're not even talking about this being just the playoffs. The NHL still wants to play regular season games. So if you have everything quarantined off, you, you, let's say you travel to North D- Dakota, you have all, you know, all of the players in the NHL just stay on the one university campus and that's your bubble. Um, are you going to expect that, let's say you're on the Detroit Red Wings and you know there's no way you're going to be able to, you're going to, you know, make the playoffs even regardless, but you're still playing out those games. Are you going to, are you going to self-isolate yourself for however long and miss the birth of a child? That happens all the time around this time of year. Miss the, miss the birth of, of a child or, you know, any big like sort of life milestone just to essentially play games that are meaningless. Like this is like, if they go ahead with this criteria, it's going to, they, there's no way they can, they can um, end the regular season or um, keep playing the regular season. Sorry. There's no way. Like you, like this has to be done only. These are drastic measures. Like it, like as as Doctor Fauci said, no one comes in the stadium. No fans must be under one big hotel and under constant surveillance. And that's another thing too is the constant surveillance part. That's just like we need to make sure that society is at a point at that point. And that and the constant surveillance means testing every week. And we have to make sure that at that point these like that testing is available to the actual public. And we're not siphoning that off from hospitals to just test pro athletes so we can have something to watch on TV. That that's going to, these are these big hurdles that I think are really going to, they're going to hold this up or, or, or pose a, pose a, uh, I guess like a stopgap to this, but just the fact that we're having this conversation is positive. To me, that's the only big hurdle though, is the testing. If they get to a point where they can have rapid testing, they can test these athletes every day, every other day, uh, they can get the results really quickly. I think it can work after that. If they have that, I think it can work because, again, there might be some pushback from the players, but ultimately I think it's going to happen. I think it's going to happen later uh, than maybe they want it to. And for that reason, I don't think we're going to see any regular season games. I just don't think that makes sense at all. I think we're going to see a small play in if this happens again. This is probably more more likely than not, it's not going to happen. But if it happens, I think we're going to see a small play in to just to um, sort of 
you know, make sure that it's fair for the teams that were fighting for postseason spots, and then you're jumping right into the Stanley Cup playoffs. And I think you would get buy-in on the players from from that perspective if that was the reality mm. if you could put them into a situation where hey you're going to play as long as you can and the longer you play the closer you're going to get to the stanley cup once you're eliminated you go home it could it might only be two weeks for some four weeks for others i mean the people that are really going to be isolated for a long time would be the the teams that are competing for a championship and i think they'd sign up for that ultimately uh but it all comes down to testing i think that's the one thing fauci said obviously there can't be fans uh they have to be in one area or you know in a in a confined area that is very controlled uh but the other thing is testing testing is the most important thing they cannot take from the you know the health of the communities health of hospitals they need to make sure that they have ample supply of these tests for sports to resume uh but i do believe with all the efforts and everything going into fighting this pandemic right now i think they're going to get to the point where they can streamline pretty efficient testing and if they get to that i think that paves the way for sports to return at some point so what happened let's say we have this huge lead up Everyone agrees to this. We have this huge lead up, and we're gonna play. We're gonna we're gonna have all the playoff teams, you know, settle in North Dakota, in, in, you know, University of North Dakota, or whatever. And we're gonna play on on all those sheets, and we're gonna do the dorm style. Everything. It's gonna be great. And then after game one, they go do the routine testing, and one player tests positive. Do they shut everything down after that? Like, what happens? I know that we have the testing. You can't. But you can say you can self isolate that player, but we don't know who he's touched. We don't like all this kind of stuff. Like, do you play? Th- like, do you just is are we going to see a lot of, you know, DNP coronavirus or like out with illness cl- coronavirus and stuff like that? Like, are we is it just going to become integrated into the injury reports of the team? Like what what's going to happen there? No, I think it would be over at that point. Well, I think what they're going to have to do is I mean, they've been talking about this two or three weeks to, you know, ramp things up. I think what's going to happen is and it's not going to work in one community. You can't get 16 to 20 teams in, no, I know. you know, descending on North Dakota and for, for it to work. I think you need to put everyone in their starting spots. You start training camp and you quarantine during these these, you know, pseudo training camps and you're testing all the time. So you have healthy individuals going in, healthy individuals competing, healthy individuals monitored for everything that they're doing. And if something happens, then obviously it's it might be just a no-fly zone after that. But if you can keep these players in an area where they're not going to be infected, which is definitely possible, uh, then I think you move on from there. The problem is going to be the the traveling maybe between rounds uh once you get from you know if you start for f- with four ranks and you know six teams whatever ar- around there and four ranks uh and then you're going to eventually have to go down to you know f- the the four or two that survive from each rank are going to have to go to the next rank at some point there's going to have to be some sort of travel and how they navigate that is going to be a big thing but I don't believe that someone of Dr. Fauci's authority would bring this up if he didn't believe that it was possible. And with all the money at stake and the want and the desire from the top of the food chain being President Donald Trump, I just feel like there's a will in the way. And uh, and with it be meaning so much uh, and it, there's so much money on the line, I just feel like they could find the resources to pull this off. Yeah, like like I said, you know, Fauci's being pretty, like, it, rightfully so, he's being pretty, you know, pessimistic on a lot of things. He's just saying the facts, and the facts are that this is not a great situation right now. And I've heard, you know, him say a lot of things that make me go, you know, have an existential crisis every day. And the fact that he's talking about bringing sports back and saying it could be happen this summer, and although these are pretty stringent criteria, and it's going to be the most, you know, it's going to be unprecedented way that we go about this, 
again, the fact that he's having this conversation, the fact that he went on TV and staked his name and talked about this, this is important and that's a big deal. And and this is, I think we can definitively say that just having this conversation is the first like concrete step back to normalcy, some realm of normalcy, normalcy um, that we've had through this whole thing. I mean, it's just been weird. It's, it's just been, you know, Twilight Zone experience after Twilight Zone experience with this thing. But now we're actually having the top person on this matter say sports can come back if we follow these criteria and that is that is nothing but good news going back to your point of like what if one player gets Mm. it i mean there's there probably have to be some sort of waiver or something being signed by these players that okay if it happens then you're going into legit isolation isolation by yourself for the next two weeks like you're gonna have to get over this virus by yourself before you can either a go home b rejoin your team i think that's what's going to happen i mean that might, that's probably not a risk they should take but maybe it a, a risk they will ultimately go with because as we know it i mean it, it this disease is lethal or this infection is lethal for you know seniors people with underlying health issues and so on and so forth there's been a lot of athletes uh not a lot of athletes, but there's been several athletes who have been uh, have confirmed cases of COVID-19, about 10 in the NHL. Uh, I think maybe we know about five or six in the NBA. Uh, and it looks like they've put those symptoms behind them. So maybe maybe we, we're going to have to get into the point in society, uh, you know, months down the line where uh, people are going to have to take some risks in that sense where there's where people are the 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 chase for herd uh immunity and all that stuff like this might not be something that completely goes away so we have to find other ways to deal with it uh throwing athletes into competition is not the best way to do it but at some point uh people are going to have people at some point in the in the future with this disease people are going to get it recover and move on and it's going to be something that's just it's not going away anytime soon so it's going to become part of life in some capacity uh it's just probably not right to throw sports into the mix with it all I'm just thinking, like, like what's the biggest stereotype in hockey? It's old white dudes, and those are like, you know, probably the highest risk category of people out there. Like, what happened? You're in a, you're like, think about coaches. You're in a, you're in a locker room filled with, you know, 20, 20 to twenty five, like, essentially space heaters of disease all around you. They're spitting, they're sweating, they're bleeding, everything. What happens? You know, I'm trying to think of like the oldest, like the oldest coach in, in my mind, but like, you know, like what happens if an old coach goes in? And gets it, and like 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 they're it. We're not even talking with the players. The players are, are healthy people, and although we've seen healthy young people, you know, have some complications with this. It's it's a very small percentage. What happens if you know? I was going to use Bruce Boudreaux as an example because he looks the oldest to me, but he he doesn't have a job right now. Um, so uh, like I don't know, like Michelle, not Michelle Terrian, um, Claude Julian. Let's for let's for example, the Canadian is not going to be in the playoffs, but let's just make that example. Like he's an older guy. I don't know what kind of health, underlying health issues he has, but he's an older guy there. What he and you're going to put him in a in a locker room filled with, you know, twenty to twenty five guys, young guys who are sweating, bleeding, spitting all over the place who could possibly have it. Like that 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 just opens up a risk there. The players I think are going to be fine, and it's just an issue of, you know, not spreading this like crazy. But we're talking about GMs, we're talking about coaches, we're talking about assistant coaches. You know, like all these people who are going to be around the team who might not and the GMs and stuff might not be in the dressing room, but the coaches and assistant coaches are the ones I'm worried about because, yeah, we, I mean, because, yeah, there's just a long line of old white dudes who are in a high risk category who are going to be around these guys who are like openly pouring out like, you know, 
liquids and, and, and mists and stuff from being in, in, in sports. It's disgusting. But what happens if one of them catches it? That could be a way more serious issue. They're doing moist, moistly things to quote. Oh, yeah. Uh, They're all talking moistly around them. Yeah, exactly. No, I I mean, that goes back to the basic principle of all this, too. Like, young, young kids are, they're not immune from this. Uh, They're, they're definitely more likely than not going to be, you know, as effective as affected. But that's why you can't, you don't have the freedom to do anything you want as someone who's young and in good health, because it affects other people. And as much Mm -hmm. as we were trying to think up ways where we can put all these healthy individuals into an area which would keep them separated from society and allow them to uh, compete for the Stanley Cup. It's not that simple because there's other people around, as you mentioned. So the ba- that like the same things that we've been told right at the start of this isolate isolation period uh, and the government, you know, putting these mandates for us. It same things applies for these athletes. They're not different in any way, and that's why we have to. C- you know, we, we can't make exceptions because it will come at the expense of people that don't deserve and who have been doing their part and are more vulnerable and are, are just way more likely to be impacted. Uh, and they're, they're just simply not the ones that we're thinking about. And that's unfair. And we should be reminded of that uh, when we talk about these things. Yeah, it's even like even players like off the top of my head, like, again, another Canadians example. I don't know why they're coming to me right now because they're again, they're not going to be in the playoffs. But like Max Domi. He's been very he's been very outspoken about how he is a type I think he's a type 1 diabetic. He's it's serious and diabetes is one of the underlying conditions that is that puts you in that, that high high risk category. I mean, I know because I'm worried about my dad with that kind of stuff and like oh, and Siri just turned on for no reason. So that's fun. <laughs> um but uh like what happens if like what happens if if one of his teammates gives it to him? It's not gonna, he's he's young and he's healthy, but he also has his underlying you know, this this underlying condition that can really, really make this a complicated matter. So, like, I think I I'm, I really want this to happen. And I think that and I don't think they'll, they'll do it unless they're 100 percent or as as sure as they possibly can be that this isn't going to jeopardize anyone from like a, a health perspective or as, as healthy as possible. But there's just so many variables here that they're going to have to be really, really, really careful before they really get this back going. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad we talked it out because it sounded so simple when Dr. Fauci said it, although it was an interview that was, you know, cut down and probably, uh, you know, there was some brevity uh, used and probably some language that was cut out of it because it was a highly edited clip. But it sounds simple, right? You put them in this scenario and things will be fine. But but when we talk about it, we just, you know, it's just another reminder uh, that it's not that simple. Uh, We will move on a little bit here and, and sort of shift to what it might look like when sports when and if sports do come back in the near future. Uh, I think that was our first sort of discussion point when this happened is what is it going to look like when it comes back and can it be actually better when it comes back Um, from a, you know, health perspective with these guys? Hey, they might be a little bit out of shape. If they get in shape, though, they're all going to be healthy. This could be amazing. Uh, But I think because it's such a unique situation, it opens the door for creativity. And that's something we discussed before. So if we do see it come back, we know there's going to be no fans. We know it's going to be probably at a neutral site. How can we make it more compelling? I mean, there's a lot of ways that this can be like this. If we're really trying to look for silver linings here, this this essentially like situation that's been thrust upon all the pro sports can be used as a great sort of testing ground for ways to make their sport more compelling and interesting. Because although I miss sports like crazy and we've talked about before and I would give you know a pinky finger to have them come back. 
I uh, like I do not miss hearing Mike Milbury or Pierre Maguire drone on and go, oh, you know, uh, student of the game, uh, pucks in deep. Yeah, no, like this is this could be a way to really frame the broadcast aspect of sports, the entertainment aspect of hockey, and it is entertainment after all. We treat it like it's religion, but it really is entertainment. Um, this could, it could be really interesting whether they run a March Madness style tournament to get into the playoffs and that you know blows up or like uh, there's going to be no fans so I think we're going to get way more intimate camera angles way way more you know sort of like a in not invasive but just like really intriguing ways of looking inside the sport and getting perspective that we never had before one one thing though that is really that popped up in my mind when I was putting this together is um what's the one thing that anyone does when they don't do well in a sport in the middle of a game when they're frustrated they swear probably exactly bingo and uh unless they have all these games broadcast on hbo i don't know uh or or some or someone's just a very skilled you know in-game bleeper i don't know how they can do that um we're gonna hear some f-bombs on national television the cbc is gonna air something on hockey night in canada one night and like we see every time Austin Matthews scores, we see him go F yeah boys or F and right or something like what? Like we're going to hear that now every time, every time they score. So that's one challenge, whether or not it's a challenge or not. I don't know because I would love to see that, but that's something that they're going to have to figure out how to get around or how to, I don't know, like, like how, how, yeah, how to work around because I don't, I don't see a way that you can edit or bleep or cut around the, you know, or, or even, I don't see a way you can tell players not to swear because they're not, consciously thinking of that so how let's say you're you're the you're the president of the um uh what's the crdc is it canadian broad crdc yeah 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 what how do you approach that uh i mean i i I, like you my first uh instinct was to amplify it i mean i think there's every reason in the world to try some new stuff amplify the swears no amplify the just the ambiance like that's what you're gonna have to do right because i mean you're gonna hear it regardless it's it's the fans that drowned out i mean you hear stuff that's happening on the ice and it's really just the fans that drowned out the stuff you don't want to hear um but if in a perfect world you're right if it was on hbo you just amplify that stuff but i think the important thing you got to remember before you go crazy with ideas i think is that there's gonna have to be skeleton crews working these games. Like I want to mm-hmm. see, yeah, I want to see cameras. I want to see mics everywhere. I want to be able to hear it. That would be amazing because that would be such an enhanced viewing experience. But you have to look at, you have to look at ways that that would work where you could strip back like the production costs, and you can't have that many more camera operators. Uh, I think the only thing that would work would be miking the arena so much that you're just relying on the ambient sound to carry the broadcast. I think that would be an interesting concept, something to try, obviously, um, but you're right. You're not going to be able to handle those swear words. So maybe you're on a 10 second delay and you're just, you know, you're just bleeping <laughs> it out. All, like that would be, that would be, an, that would be an awful viewing experience. So uh, that's why I don't think you just hear prob- nothing. That's probably not. An, yeah. It's probably not an option. Really? Maybe they could do it during play. And then maybe there's some analysis between the whistles and you take, because yeah, you're going to hear some stuff during the game, some swear words, but the really nasty stuff is going to come. I think during stoppages with guys talking, um, but when I when I do think about it even more, if these guys are playing for the Stanley Cup, I just feel like I'd prefer a proper traditional broadcast with, you know, smart analysis, the you know, the right goal calls, the right people doing uh 
doing you know the work that they do around these sports i don't know how easy that's going to be for uh you know broadcast teams and networks to get people there to do it the right way uh because there's obviously some risks and they want to keep these guys as isolated as possible um but while i'd like to see some you know some creativity creativity if we're actually you know game seven of the stanley cup final i probably want to rely on the guys that uh, normally take us through yeah, if, if, if we're talking smart analysis, then the U.S. is going to have to find a different uh, broadcast distributor because NBC can't be involved then. Yeah, I mean, listen, we're, we're fortunate to be in Canada. It's not perfect, but uh, I'll take our guys. I'll take yes. our guys. Um, one, one other idea I had, too, was music during play. I mean, I know they, they have that in basketball games, but they never have that in hockey. But I was thinking even from a broadcast perspective, like, you know, there obviously have to be licensing issues and stuff like that. And there's always a million different threads you have to pull on any cool idea. But I think it would be a lot of fun to have some sort of music during the play. Um, I had an example here where if someone messes up, the broadcast plays like clown music over it or like Benny Hill or something like that. That is a dumb idea on my part. But I mean, like, you know, it's it's the you know final two two minutes of a game teams down by one. You play some, you know, hype up music. You know, it's uh, there's a big hit. You play some crazy, you know, like heavy metal, something like that. I think it, it would be an interesting way to kind of frame the the pageantry of the game. I'm okay with the sound during play and then music during intermission or during the whistles just to sort of, you know, make sure that you're not getting ridiculous language on television. Uh, but I, I think you could actually handle what's happening. Yes, there would be some reactions from players. But if you are running on a 10 second delay and every broadcast runs on a delay, you might be able to handle most of that. Uh, but if I am being honest, like it goes back to the other point. I'm not going to need any additional frills to feel compelled yeah. about sports returning. I'm honestly fiending for anything. PGA Tour is starting in June. I'll be all over that. I think the UFC is starting in mid-May. Anything will do except for basketball players playing horse. But what I'm thinking is that like everyone's inside. You can't like the N- the NHL usually gets more outside attention during the playoffs just because they're all, they're consistently interesting. Everyone's inside. I'm talking about this in the states mainly. That like you can't go to a restaurant, concert, festival, nothing. The only thing you can do is sit at home and watch TV. So the NHL is an opportunity to really sell itself and expand during this time because everyone's going to be everyone's talking about how they're watching marble racing on Twitter. Now you have real hockey being being played for you, and that product, in as weird the situation it is, that product needs to be as entertaining as it's ever been to hook those new viewers because they can really use this as a marketing opportunity to get new hockey fans out of. sports content starved people who normally wouldn't watch it so if you I'm thinking although we don't really need the thrills or frills we don't need anything packaged up I would take a a Tuesday night game versus the Senators and Blue Jackets like right now I'd give up any of my possessions for that to happen (laughs) but I'm talking about someone in like Tulsa Oklahoma I don't even know if if, if Tulsa is in Oklahoma but let's just say it is I think you Um, nailed it did I? nice geography class the Canadian school system coming through but um Let's say someone who's never cared about hockey or watched hockey, but they're bored, they're at home, they're ha- they have to socially distance or whatever. You know, you're cracking open a nice beverage, and you go, oh, first round NHL playoffs is on. And they tune in as someone who never would have before. If that product that's on TV is, is produced really well and wows them, they're going to be coming back. This is an opportunity where, you know, like everyone, the, let's, people are, are dying of starvation and you have a really funky, cool new food to go give them, they're going to be more interested to try it. So you better make that food as good as possible so they can come back and get it once, you know, the whole buffet is stocked up again. Unfortunately, the only thing that could truly make it different would be, okay, it's this set, this is a, this isn't the Stanley Cup playoffs anymore. This is the tournament for whatever. 
and it's something NBC or Sportsnet doesn't immediately have rights for, it goes up for auction for all the major networks and an HBO or an ESPN Plus maybe uh, buys into it where they could actually show, uh, you know, more adult content or whatever. Uh, and it would only be swearing. Hardcore uh, hockey. Hardcore hockey, exactly. It, it, it writes itself. And you can just bug the dressing rooms. You can toggle back and forth in intermission. It's basically the entire game, everything that's surrounding the game, carrying the broadcast. That would be absolutely amazing. Uh, but unfortunately... The, the, the networks are going to want to get their hands on this. They're not going to get just give it away. Uh, so this is going to run on cable, which means it has to adhere to the normal rules surrounding cable, which means we're probably going to get the same product. And again, I won't be complaining, but for this to be, you know, something completely different, it would probably have to change hands. Yeah, you're, you're right. I just, I, I, I think that like the March Madness style tournament would be the best way to do it. They NHL players lined up to participate in a in the World Cup of hockey, something that is fictitious and doesn't matter at all. And they played and they 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 lined up to play in it and they tried their best. Don't tell me that you can't convince them that playing in a March Madness style tournament where every team gets a chance and you know the the cup is the King's Cup or the President's Cup or something. It's not the Stanley Cup, but it's it it it's it's a, you know a once in a lifetime kind of award. I think that that would be real, a really cool way of kind of framing this and giving us as much hockey where we see as many good players and as many teams come back as possible. I think that'd be cool. But next best thing, hop right into Stanley Cup playoffs, and they do kind of the everything that we've kind of outlined here. Yeah, the possibilities would be endless from a content perspective if it was something different. If you had, you know, teams descending tournament style like it was back in the minor hockey days and you had them watching from the seats, like there were no fans in the seats, but other teams, whole teams are watching games going on. It would be like Mighty Ducks style. It would be a complete throwback uh, and it would be pretty cool if the, even if it was just a dock after the, you know, the one different summer in hockey where it, it's got ESPN 30 for 30 written all over it. That's awesome. That sounds great. Uh, unfortunately it would take time to produce that. And we need sports right now to, mm-hmm. uh, satisfy our hunger for hardcore sports talk. Cause that's what we're going to brand it soon. Just to steal the idea. I mean, it came up organically, right? Yeah. Uh, hardcore we're going to do a little core draft with the Toronto Maple Leafs. So we're going to mm-hmm. draft 10 members each. These are players. These are executives. These are coaches. These are people that mean a lot to the Toronto Maple Leafs. So we're going to come up with uh, a core each. We'll compare them after we'll do a draft. I believe it should be a snake draft to be fair. Yeah. If not, mm-hmm. we could do a, you know, first five and then snake it for the, you know, go the other way for the next five. We'll just keep it simple and snake it. Uh, but basically we want to identify, a you know, the goal would be to have a better team than the other person here, but we want to draft the best possible core with the guys that we want or should be around this organization moving forward. Uh, we're looking at five years. So a guy like Jason Spezza might not necessarily be considered for this, uh, but a guy like Nick Robertson or Rasmus Sandin, who's mm-hmm. going to play a pretty significant role over the next half decade will obviously be uh, considered. So uh, there was about, I wrote down about 28 names. So there's going to be some people left off the table, but we're going to draft some guys that, you know, uh, are not going to have much to say uh, over the next five years. Uh, they're just going to be included regardless. Um, but it, we're looking at two different cores. Obviously, uh, it won't be the best possible situation for this team because we're splitting it up into two two different teams here, but it's a little competition. Uh, and we haven't figured out who's going to pick first. So how are we going to do that? Um, I don't know. I think I, I, I'm cool with deferring it to you, honestly. You came up with the game. I think you should get the first pick. Um, it'll make it all the more sweeter when I draft the better team. 
Okay, so you're giving me Austin Matthews then. We'll start it off right away. I mean, this is the obvious jewel of the draft. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. After here, this draft that we just made up, it is on me. Uh, if I don't have a better team than you or a better core than you, uh, it's completely my fault because Matthews is obviously the premium asset on the board. This is a player that could score 250 goals over the course of the next half decade. He has 50 goal potential every year. He is in the prime of his career. He is the obvious top choice. Austin Matthews is the player this team will build around. It's the team or it's the player that I'm going to build around with my core for the next five years. Uh, next five years is good because that kind of cuts off. So my my first overall pick is going to be John Tavares. I know he's he's relatively up wow. there in age, but okay, he's but he's still he's twenty nine. Oh, all right. Do you want me to write him down, or are you going to write him? No, down? I, I will write him down. Okay, cool. So yeah, John Tavares. He's going to be thirty four when this is over. It doesn't matter. Uh, he's still you know a top tier player. You picked Matthews. I was going to pick Marner, but he's a winger. I want that straight you know solid center, the guy who's uh who's just going to be he's going to rack up some goals some points he's a great leader intangibles are important on my team that's good for a core if we're talking about cores that are going to be good in the future then I want someone I want the the undisputed leader um so John Tavares is my pick John Tavares was number five on my draft board one season you know maybe he'd be top two or three for me five seasons he wouldn't be my second overall pick but you got number three as well so go on oh I have number three as well yeah snaking Oh, no. cool. Okay. Yeah, snake draft. Yeah, you got it. Oh, yeah, it is. Okay, so then Mitch Marner, obviously. So I got that. I got that one-two punch for the next five years. That's it. You don't want to. You don't want to. You know, elaborate on the Mitch Marner pick because he's four on my list. Okay, like normally I would choose. I uh, I think that Mitch Marner. You know, the guy's like a solid point per game guy above that, and I think he 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 hasn't hit his peak yet. I think him and Tavares work really well together, despite the limited amount of time they've been played together this season. Uh, and I'm assuming we're not doing salary caps here, so his absor- exorbitant contract doesn't really matter. So Of course we're doing salary caps. So what's the salary cap then? Well, we're, we're doing hit, what is his value against what, how much money he makes. I Still, still think, a salary cap world. I still think Mitch Marner is is having that John Tavares-Mitch Marner partnership for the next five years. Tavares is only going to be 34 when this is done. He takes care of himself like crazy. The guy's a, you know, a physical god. I think that that's, that's a pretty good kind of one-two punch there. Mitch Marner's uh, clearly the second most talented player on the team, certainly top five player in terms of performance. Entering the prime of his career, he's right in the middle of it. He's a player on your team that you take on your team any day, but he drops on my list because he's just earning so much money. He's coming off a disappointing season, uh, and I think we got to take all of that into consideration. I'm going to get the number two guy on my list at number four overall, 
I'm going to take Morgan Riley here. I might be getting a little too cute with putting him at number two, uh, but he's the most wow. underpaid member of the Maple Leafs, and he's also the one who might be the most important to the team's success. Uh, he's going to continue to earn modestly over the next two seasons. And with the uncertainty, uncertainty surrounding the salary cap right now with this pandemic and, and how much the financial aspect might change, it's possible that his cost remains relatively controlled here. Uh, I think a defenseman like him will you know, age pretty well. He's loved in the room. He's as much of, as the captain, in my opinion, as John Tavares is with this team. I'm, uh, I'm hitching my wagon to Morgan Riley for sure. And then you have the next pick, I believe. Isn't it Snake? And I'm going with uh, William Nylander. Nice. I, pref- I preferred Nylander to both Marner and Tavares with this just for cost reasons. His deal suddenly has value. Uh, and the agreements that Tavares and Marner signed, I think, will be difficult to live up to for the next five years in its totality. I think William Nylander will do that easily. And uh, that's why he's my he was my number three guy. And I'm getting him fifth overall, I think. Yeah. All right. So I have six and I have six and seven, right? Now it's going to get interesting. All right, so I'm choosing uh, Rasmus Sandin because we're wow. going five years. So Rasmus Sandin for sure because we need to Morgan, like you took Morgan Riley off the boards, and there really isn't any other defenseman in, in the organization that I want to bet on. I think Rasmus Sandin in the next five years can be a pretty darn good hockey player. And then for the seventh overall pick, uh, Nick Robertson because uh-huh. again, because again, we're going we're going uh, five years into the future, and I think having that having that duo of uh, of Sandine and Robertson five years down into their primes, boom! I I think those are going to be two mighty fine hockey players. So so far, I have Tavares, Marner, Robertson, and Sandine. Good pick. I was hoping to get Robertson there. Fifty five goals in forty six games at the Peets. He'll learn less than nine hundred thousand for the next three seasons. He was a must have for me, but you got him first. Mm hmm. Uh, okay. This, this gets interesting now then I I might have to go with two guys that I can just rely on next. Go for it. And just, they're like, they're mirror images of each other with forward and defense. I'm going with Zach Hyman and Jake Muzzin. Wow. Uh, We know, we know all about Zach Hyman, what he means to this team. Doesn't get paid that much. Only has one year left on that cost control deal. Stated his affinity to Toronto today, uh, in his conference call. Uh, so I think he's a guy that's going to do everything possible to remain with the Leafs, which means he's going to take a modest deal. He's going to rely on, you know, his e-gaming company to make him some money. Uh, and uh, he's going to find other ways, sonnet insurance, all that. He's going to keep making money with children's books and he's going to keep performing on my team. And then Jake Muzzin, uh, he's, we know what he's going to make for the next four years. He's a guy that's probably declining a little bit. Uh, and I don't know how he's going to look at the end of this five years, but I think he means so much to this team, uh, that I got to have both those guys who just push the needle in the right direction for the Leafs. Invariably, these two guys are, are sort of the, uh, the guys that just make this team tick in my opinion. So I'll take Zach Hyman and Jake Muzzin with my next two selections. I was going to say that fifth year of Muzzin. It's that's yeah. like, if you're, if you're worried about me with Tavares, uh, I'm worried about Tavares more than Jake Muzzin. Real. Okay. Your funeral. Okay. Not, not as much, but similarly Um, with my, so I think at what is this eight and nine or nine and 10? Uh, it is nine and 10. Yeah. All right. So with my ninth overall pick, uh, you said anyone, you know, management, any, anyone, right? Yeah, it's time It's time we get into some uh, suits. All right, so my with my next pick, I am picking Barb Underhill. Whoa, you need that with uh, John Tavares for sure. <laughs> exactly, that's what I'm saying. You got, <laughs> I, you got the premier skate, the person who turns, you know, zeros into heroes, you know, these, these middling pick. guys that's into stars. Pick. 
And with the young guys too, Robertson and Sandine working with her for the next five years. Maybe there a little early, but a great pick nonetheless. I I I was I I could see the glimmer in your eye. You were, you had some craftiness uh, kind of no. up your sleeve, so I needed to get her off the board right away. No, that was smart. That was really good. And then uh, with my next pick, it's going to be Frederick Anderson. Need that goalie. Oh, that's a surprise. Need that goalie. Um, I think that this this season was a uh, you know again he's going to be thirty five at the end, so it's it's it, it's definitely risky. But um, you know need that goaltending and I I as much as I love Jack Campbell I'm more confident in Frederick Anderson's abilities long term than I am Jack Campbell so lock up the goaltender got all the positions accounted for cuz I need another defenseman but other than that good to go okay good round uh that barb what a pick what a pick uh I'm going to go Sheldon Keith uh at this point I think it comes down to which players which coaches which executives are above replacement level I believe in Sheldon Keefe's ability. I think the players do as well. Uh, I think that Sheldon Keefe is well above average as a head coach. I think he's proven that in such a short time. I want him behind my bench for the next five seasons. So Sheldon Keefe is going to be my sixth pick, I believe. I believe so, yeah. Yeah, he's going to be my sixth pick. And now, do I stay in the... I'll go back to... I'll get one more player on my roster, I think, before I I, uh, shift my attention completely. I'll go with Kasperi Kapanen. Uh, good pick, good pick. Legitimate skills, not a backbreaking contract. He makes less than both Alexander Kerfoot and Andreas Janssen, and I think he's a superior player compared to both of them. Uh, I don't have Mitch Marner on my team. I do have William Nylander, but that paves the way for Kapanen to move up. So the log jam at right wing uh, is not quite there as it is now. So he moves up. He plays a more focal role for me for the next five years. Uh, lucky to have it. Lucky to have a guy whose skills probably won't diminish. He's going to be a speed demon for the next five years. So uh, Sheldon Keefe and Casper Kapanen for me. Not bad. Not bad. Um, okay, so I guess in a venture back, because I have one more D. I have the right side, the the right D to pick. So I'm going to go Tyson Berry. I know that's, uh, you know, okay. I, I think, you know, he's got some good offensive capabilities there. I think this was a rough season for him, but I, he can pull it together. And, you know, he's not super old, right? He's only, what, 28? And I, I think, you know, put it together he's gonna he'll be 33 at the end of this uh this five-year stretch good puck moving guy i think him and sandy can kind of play off each other well and for my next pick and hold on what are you you gonna pay for what are you gonna pay tyson berry well that actually comes into my next pick okay um because my next pick you said we were talking about salary caps is brandon pridham no yeah damn it i should have picked him then brandon pridham welcome on board that means any 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 question in terms of cap that you have that you can throw at me with any of these picks, I can just throw right back at you the two words, Brandon Pridham. He'll figure it out. Uh, I'm very disappointed. Should not have picked Casper Kapanen. You picked That's the guy, my guy. He's the one guy. Who's, who's, if we're talking about replacement level, he's the one guy is so far beyond. He's the one guy that does his job, uh, I think, better than anyone, maybe in the entire organization, because uh, he is such a difficult job he's got so many elements that he has to consider uh i think that just the scenarios change the way he navigated this season it was supposed to be doomsday cap doomsday the entire year and it never happened because he knows the book inside and out i think that's a great pick he wrote the book he wrote the book he's like he's the hardest working guy in toronto up until you know when the world shut down and then we all the doctors claim that but he it's incredible the job he's done so it's your uh. You I have, now. I have serious regret now. How many picks do I got? I got seven. I need three more. Oh, that throws me off. I'm not going to lie to you. That throws me off a little bit. Uh, the, best, the, best, the best picks always do. Okay, I'm going to pick Brendan Shanahan. 
Uh, I don't know if he really, you know, hits the <laughs> requirements that I just laid out with, you know, above replacement level and definitely doing, uh, you know, a, a superior job compared to everyone else. But this is known as one of the smartest minds uh, in hockey. He's a guy who's sort of led this team out of the darkness. He's done some incredible things with, you know, pulling a guy like Mike Babcock uh, from Detroit and getting him at the at the helm in Toronto. Uh, the marriage didn't last forever, obviously, but it was quite a power move. I think he is a force in the industry. Uh, and for that reason, I will let him steer the ship uh, for the foreseeable future and find me the next Brendan Pridham, I suppose, because I'm going to need one. Uh, yeah, you're going to have to go bargain bin hunting for that. I'm going to have to go bargain bin hunting. I'll get someone, though. Someone There's got to be an apprentice that I can pick up of Pridham. So oh, yeah. He's not doing this all alone. Uh and that's that makes it difficult with the next pick. See if I've uh, skipped over anyone. No, I'll go with Jack Campbell. Good, uh, good pick. I don't have a goaltender, obviously, because you picked Frederick Anderson. I think Jack Campbell can be an elite goaltender at his position, which is the backup position. Uh, he can, you know, maybe you don't want to invest too too heavily in a role that you know that you're not gonna. Uh, be relying on for you know 70 percent of the games but i think he can be a elite player in that role for this team so for that reason i'll take guys who can stand out uh and jack campbell is also you know the best person on the leafs uh, from a you know congeniality standpoint so uh, i'll bring him along with my core that sounds great i i i'm actually jealous that you have uh, you're gonna be getting stick taps consistently for the next five go. years i think i just got one i felt something behind me <laughs> Um, okay, I guess uh, my next pick, because uh, I don't have a coach yet, so I'm going to do, he's going to be holding the, the dual role of coach GM, it's going to be Kyle Dubas. Wow, you're putting him behind the bench. I am. You know, I think that I think that Dubas has had, has had obviously, problems getting people to execute his vision, you know, although Sheldon Keefe is there and doing it. I think that you, you've taken Sheldon Keefe, and I think, you know, if, once you, you have problems with everyone failing to execute your vision, why don't you just execute it yourself? Get behind the bench, coach GM. Pat Quinn did it. Didn't work out great, but I think Kyle Dubas is, is young and spry of mind. He can do it as well. So now I got behind the bench and front office locked up with the, the tag team duo of uh, Dubas and Pridham. You'll and never then, have salary cap problems. Exactly. And then I guess for my last one, man, I, we got we to gotta figure this out now. Um, I'm going to go Elia Mikheyev. Okay. I, I, I think he's a great guy to have around. I think we haven't, you know, I think that we never really got to see how good he could be on North American ice because he was just hitting his stride and then, you know, he, his, his wrist exploded. Um, and I think, you know, having that having a guy around, you you, you took the, the Jack Campbell teddy bear guy. I'm taking the teddy bear who doesn't speak a ton of English, but we're going to get great soup for the next five years. It's going to be nice and comforting in these times. Um, bring him on board. Yeah, he was right in that, you know, 1920 range for me. So he was going to be my final pick. Uh, but instead, I will continue with, you know, the guys who are going to bring some uh, some light to the room, the guys who are going to keep everyone happy. I'm going to go and a guy that frankly can can, you know, make some serious gains over the next five years. And hopefully he will. And that's Travis Dermott. Uh, mm-hmm. He's obviously he didn't have a tremendous year. Uh recovering from an injury, so, uh, shoulder surgery over the off season. It was not how he drew it up. He's not going to make that much money this summer. Uh, and that might benefit me in the long run because I think he can he can still be that defenseman that we believe he can be, uh, can grow into that top four role, but uh, he's going to have to walk before he runs because this wasn't, uh, you know, 
a huge progression season for him, but I'm happy to have him sort of uh, smiling in the locker room, being the guy I put out in front of the media every day. Uh, that works for my core. How many picks do I have left? I think we're done. That's 10 each. Oh, we're done. All right. So I'll, go, I'll, go. I'll quickly go through the teams here. We'll start with me. I got Austin Matthews, Morgan Riley, William Nylander, Zach Hyman, Jake Muzzin, Sheldon Keefe, Kasperi Kapanen, Brendan Shanahan, Jack Campbell, and Travis Dermott. You have John Tavares, Mitch Marner, Rasmus Sandy, Nick Robertson, Barb Underhill. What a back-to-back selections those were. Boom. Frederick Anderson, Tyson Berry, Brendan Pridham, Kyle Dubas, and Ilya Mikheyev. I think that I think both of our teams are formidable. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what the people decide is the best one. Yeah, I don't know how we're gonna get this. Uh, we'll find a way to get this on Twitter, but we'll put up a poll and we'll see mm-hmm. uh, which core people are siding with. Uh, but that was pretty good. I enjoyed that. Uh, yeah, that was great. Is there anything else I we think... need to get to on the uh, the third? What are we on our third or fourth COVID pod? I think I don't know. I just have Leafs COVID pod April sixteenth. Uh, I'm glad the the least the less amount of these we do, the better. I think because it means that, um, or I guess at this point, the more we do, the better because it'll only be good news. But it was nice to kind of take a break and talk about some old Leafs games, and hopefully we'll bring those back. You know, maybe next week, uh, depending. We have you know we, we might have some really cool stuff in the works for a pod coming soon, but. Yeah, I think this was uh, it, it was good to get the news out, and sports might be coming back, people. Like we might be talking about games that matter. Yeah, we'll get one more rewatchable at least. Uh, I guess we're both holding out hope that we'll have you know actual NHL news to be talking about. And I think we're going to be because I think even if it doesn't work out, there's going to be a push for it. So mm-hmm. uh, we'll have something to talk about. We should we should bring up a rewatch from this year. I think we should maybe do the opener. Uh, we yeah. had started the podcast. Obviously, we we started uh, you know maybe 60 percent of the way through the season. So uh, picked a great we time. Could definitely look back on opening nights. Uh, try and find Jason Spezza in the crowd or press box looking sad, uh, and rip on Mike Babcock a little bit. I think that would actually be Ooh. fun. So maybe we'll look back on the on the first game soon. Maybe it'll just be news, and we'll and we'll. Uh, you know, just go with that. Or maybe we'll find out with, you know, do another draft, another listicle, figure out a way to uh, bring more fun stuff. But this one uh, was uplifting because, hey, maybe sports are on their way back. Uh, but it was also a lot of fun doing those, doing that draft there. Ripping on Mike Babcock is the cathartic experience. I think not just I, but we all need right now. We never got a chance to really do it, to be honest. We didn't, but we're gonna. It's gonna be fun. We'll do it. We should do a Mike Babcock podcast. That's not that's not a bad idea. Just like a debrief of the whole era. I think that, you know, the best they say the best pod planning is done on the pod. So I think we uh, we just settled on a great one. 100%. We'll workshop that one. Uh, we'll get those cores out on Twitter. We'll see who wins. Uh, and I think that's it for now. Bye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 